hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and salutations to wherever you are and whatever time you're listening to this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 44, and like every time, this is an opportunity for one person, me, to share my take, my top five picks from DC Comics, published this week and recorded in response to those publications each and every week, available here on the DC Comics News Podcast for your pleasure, your enjoyment, and should you choose to engage with me on any of the social media channels we talk about at the end of this episode, for your engagement. I'm intrigued. Let's see what the opportunities for this week have brought for us. To start things off, we actually have a new edition, a 80-page special known as DC's Crimes of Passion, number one. I was really intrigued by this collection. It's an 80-page book. Those have really taken on a great deal of popularity, whether your favorite is Batman, Superman, Flash, Titans. There have been more than a few and the options and variety that they include and offer have come at much the delight of collectors and those who perhaps weren't exposed to DC Comics as often for not being regulars at a comic book shop, but could discover them through their exclusive opportunities and venues with Walmart and even more recently with Target. For an 80-page book, It's difficult to decide whether or not to make the whole episode about that book or just to focus on a few of its highlights. And for this episode, I went ahead and chose with the latter. I'm going to talk about the intro to this uh, collection. The first is a Batman story called More Than Maybe. And I was really intrigued with the approach taken by Steve Orlando with really interesting story and Greg Smallwood on the art and colors with Clem Robbins on the letters. This was a great story about the development of Bruce Wayne and the challenges that were placed upon him fairly early on, but as they continued in his dual identities as Playboy Socialite, Man About Town, and Dark Knight Detective roaming the rooftops, This Batman story focuses on how he was challenged and even questioned because of his actions as not only the dilettante Bruce Wayne, but his alter ego, and how his alter ego had created a friction between himself and the woman he cared the most about, and how he writes this all down in a letter, describing their time together, his understanding, and why it was that he felt he needed to make a difficult choice. I'm not going to give away any more of the story than that, because I feel that discovery is one you should experience, but I hope it highlights some of the elements that I found to be really enjoyable. One, there are few things as fun as a well-told story as written in a letter. I feel you get that chance to have the character's voice, the monologue, But then through the unique style of comic books, you have an opportunity to also dive in, much like in a book or in a movie, and shift away from summary to scene and have those moments where the characters demonstrate 
play out for us, what it is that's creating the conflict that this longer form narrative, the letter, is introducing, discussing, and doing its best to provide an overview for. With the storytelling, you have a great opportunity to delve again into the past of Batman and see what was one of the foundational moments that brought about who he is now and the character we've come to know him to be. I really enjoyed this approach, and I thought it was a great lead-in to the second story I want to talk about, which was a Wildcat story in Pulling Punches. Now, this story by Stephanie Phillips was supported by Riley Rosmo providing really lovely art, Jordi Belair with the colors, and Troy Pateri providing letters. I I have a soft spot in my heart for Wildcat. There's something very sweet and nostalgic, I guess would probably be the best word. There's something very sweet and nostalgic about Wildcat and the way he's just this rough and tumble guy who somehow still has the ability to always keep up with the best and through that provide that wonderful wisdom that has come through years of hard knocks and his ability to be such an amazing mentor. In this story, he's still at it in the ring, proving his merits as a boxer, defending his title, and in the process, discovering that his victory came not as hard fought as one might expect, but because of a dive, and how this development leads him on a caper to help unravel what it is that led to that dive and the reasons why he believes the fighter he was facing wasn't up to his normal prowess and that because of that this is something that he wants to rectify because he feels that now perhaps he won under an unfair advantage and because he doesn't want anyone to suffer the way his opponent is currently struggling and facing adversity. I was really impressed by this story because so much of it has to do with the things we do for love. As much of the DC Crimes of Passion stories that follow it point out, and this makes for a lot of not only great storytelling, but it also introduces a theme that so many of these great stories build themselves around and through it introduce not only new elements, but my favorite part new stories to add to the collection about who these characters are, what they've done, what drives them, and why it is with the retelling of each story and the telling of each new story. We get the chance to remember and experience what makes them so great. I thought this was a perfect example of all those elements, and it's why I'm happy to start off this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack with DC's Crimes of Passion number one. I give it a five out of five, And for those of you looking for a great investment on the dollar, it's an 80-page book with so many great stories and ones that I'm looking to hear back from you about whether or not you think the two that I chose were the best to represent this book or if there's one you would have picked out or two that you think perhaps provide a, a deeper insight or a more impressive reflection of what I found to be a really great book. Again, DC's Crimes of Passion, 5 out of 5, my first choice, on episode number 44 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack.
Now for my second choice, I'm also looking at something new. While it's not a new title, it's a new approach and a new team. We're talking about, or at least I'm talking about, Justice League number 40. And with this 40th issue, we introduce the new team of writer Robert Venditti, with Doug Mankey providing the pencils, Richard Friend with the inks, David Barron providing colors, Tom Napolitano with the letters, Brian Hitch and Jeremiah Skipper with the cover, and Arthur Adams and Tomu Mori with the variant cover. With this new team, we shift gears from the Doom War story, Justice Doom War, that has so far dominated the Justice League titles. And as we shift away, we moved into a new story with this Invasion of the Superman Part 1 impact. Through this story, we learn a great deal about where Venditti and the team are in this moment. And I think he does a wonderful job of introducing character dynamics and also pointing out the relevant moments that are occurring within the main issues or the solo issues of many of these characters to tie into how these elements are affecting the team as a whole and as I've heard it described the challenges that they will be facing that are designed to strengthen and fortify not only their teamwork and cohesion but their overall ability to do what they do so well as the Justice League because of the many challenges that they will initially face and the greater challenge that lies ahead and that all of these other challenges are preparing them as they lead up to the great conflict. So with this introduction, it's really important that things like Flash's difficulty with the Speed Force or the recent sadness in Batman's life are coming into play. This is exemplified in a really great scene where after we've had the discovery of a Daxamite, who interestingly enough used to be a Green Lantern, has arrived on Earth, crashing out in the middle of America, somewhere in a cornfield, much like a Superman who came before, with many of the same powers, but none of the kryptonite weakness and a story about the Eradicator coming to conquer and in doing so using weaponized Daxamites to do this. This leads to a great discussion between Batman, Superman, and the team about what, aside from kryptonite, is a big weakness or flaw that Superman struggles with, to which he, in a really lovely way, points out the one thing that most fans know. Superman really doesn't like magic. He doesn't like to use the word hate, but he's comfortable with expressing a similar emotion for that. Batman, on this knowledge, heads out to find Madame Xanadu under the guidance and direction of Wonder Woman, whose Justice League Dark team is unable to provide any assistance at this time. And as Batman's flying towards his destination, there's this really nice three-panel scene. The tint of the two panels that bookend this sequence of three are in red, and in the middle is one in green. In red, 
Batman is saying autopilot return to Batcave. In the green middle panel, it's Batman talking to Alfred, telling him to remote pilot the jetpack to the cave. And a witty banter and repartee is exchanged. And then we come back to the final panel in which the back computer simply responds, autopilot engaged. And that moment of what's missing in Batman's life becomes very clear, very singular. And much like the other elements of this story points to the challenges currently facing the team, its members, and how they will continue to impact what the team is facing even as they move forward. I think this was a really great introduction and a nice start to a new team, and I'm curious to see where they're taking us, what we will discover along the way, and if some of the elements from the previous storylines, from the previous team, will come into play in this new telling and through this new team. And also curious about what these new challenges they will be facing are and what is the big conflict they're leading up to. I really like this start on Justice League number 40. I give it a 5 out of 5 and I'm really looking forward to seeing just what Robert Venditti can do and what this art team can help him accomplish. I've loved his approaches on so many great titles, things like Hawkman that have been on here before, so I am encouraged and really intrigued. Looking forward to seeing all the things that this great storytelling team can show us through a comic like Justice League. And with our second book out of the way, we're going to go ahead and take the opportunity to step away from the DC Comics News Spinner Rack for a short ad break, introducing you to many of the wonderful things that are going on here at DC Comics News, all the ways you can be involved, and all of the different things we're bringing to you through elements like the DC Comics News podcast and the wonderful stories and programming that are coming and continue to demonstrate why it is this is your favorite place to come for all the DC Comics news. Thanks for stepping away for a moment with us. We'll be right back after this short break. Hi everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. 
a show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode, just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Thank you for coming back from that ad break and joining me for these next three titles. And for that third choice, I'd like to share with you the fact that my good friend and co-conspirator on the DC Comics News podcast, Mr. Steve J. Ray, gave a lovely teaser for this third title, otherwise known as Lois Lane Number 8. And when he was teasing it on Twitter, it was just a great reminder to me of what this great storytelling has meant for a wonderful character like Lois Lane, how much I've come to admire and desire each issue not only the ones I consume but the next issues to follow the ones I'm waiting for that sense of anticipation that feeling that what we're experiencing is someone with a story to tell with the great characters to tell it and the ability to provide that wonderful execution that makes all great storytelling so engaging so intriguing so delightful Greg Rucka, an amazing writer who has taken this title through these eight issues with this concept of enemy of the people, here in part eight, is supported by Mike Perkins with the art and the cover, Gabe Eltabe providing the colors, Simon Bolin with the letters, and Kamome Shirahama providing the variant cover. This great issue opens with a vulnerable Lois, unable to reach out to Superman, a Rene Montoya struggling to defend not only her friend, but someone who is helping her see the bigger picture. And together, they demonstrate why it is that these are, if not two of the most formidable women in the DC Comics universe, that they are among the top three or five You make your list. Share it with me. I can't wait to hear. But not only do I love the way that this great art from Mike Perkins really introduces some of my favorite elements about a character like Renee Montoya and her role as the question, the fight scene that occurs with a new introduction to the catalog of villains, one with a very specific outfit and a skull face, or skull head more details about that I'm sure to be revealed eventually down the line who has come to take out Lois Lane and done a great job of making it possible employing a few very intelligent techniques to keep her out of the earshot of Superman but Renee Montoya really offers up these lovely fighting scenes this great double page panel that just shows these amazing sequences and how two very skilled fighters can really work through so many moves in the process of a a great fight scene. But it's not all about the fight scene. It's also about who can step in at the right moment, use the right weapon, and even subdue uh, an assassin. And with that, Lois Lane again proves what makes her more than formidable, even though, to both their dismay, this is not the end for Lois and Renee when it comes to this new player on the scene. What also made for a great moment in this story is 
how Lois is aware of how this incident has also brought out all of Chicago PD to witness what they're hoping will be the arrival of Superman to check in on the case, to check in on Lois, and how when he arrives, she makes a point of letting him know about the officers waiting nearby. And like a true Superman, like a true super person, he gives them exactly what they're looking for, and in doing so, provides that moment of light for some guys who would like to be called heroes, but more often than not, probably hear less desirable names, nicknames, or terms used to describe them, either as a group or individually. That sense of awareness, that ability to see everything that's going on, to categorize it with these small moments of very sweet tenderness, and then to move on to grander scale, and in doing so, show why these characters are so human and also in all the moments they need to be so much bigger, so much more than just human. All of the elements that I love to talk about in Lois Lane are on display in this issue, whether it's the mystery and the direction, how it's connecting threads that we've seen in the issues leading up to this moment and revealing a backstory for some of the questions and intrigue that have been part of that lead up and how following that thread now up through eight issues we can see that we're building towards those final four and what well depending on how you like to count your math those final issues leading up to issue number 12 and with that how we get the opportunity to see what the culmination of greg russer's mission is and with that mission, how we get to experience just what it is Lois Lane is still capable of before this maxi-series comes to an end. It's going to be a sad day when it does for me, but I'm thankful that, once again, I got to share another issue of Lois Lane here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, my third choice, a wonderful 5 out of 5. I really love talking about each one of these comics, and the delight that I experience from each one is a differing degree of varying a a note among a chord and each one has its wonderful qualities that allow me to share with you so many great things that i wish everyone was talking about in dc comics and even if they are i wish they were talking about it more justice league odyssey is one of those great examples and in this story friends like these Writer, Dad, writer Dan Abnett, every once in a while, you know me, I'm going to stumble over these names. It's not intentional. Dan Abnett, writer. Cliff Richards providing the art. Rain Barreto providing the colors. And World Design with the letters. Jose Ladron providing the cover. And Scan with the variant cover. Jessica Cruz, the team, splintered. So many of them becoming new gods under the heel of a revived and renewed dark side. And the new team that Jessica Cruz has cobbled together, whether it's <laughs> Dexstar the cat, Blackstar, uh, Starfire's sister, or the new god Orion. 
and the threat facing he and Darkseid with the Eschaton, those who are powerful enough to tear asunder the new gods, and in this issue demonstrate it when one of the newest gods, one who was recently created by Darkseid, in the midst of an attack with Jessica Cruz and Orion, is set upon by the Eschaton and quickly made short work of, and how from that point on, Jessica Cruz is able to demonstrate her negotiating skills because when the creature turns to Vic, who has now become a new god under the thrall of Darkseid, and has shown moments of his old self, Jessica Cruz uses this opportunity to prevent the Eschaton through a previous deal made, one that I would encourage you to look back through the issues to enjoy and see how its relevance plays into this issue. And because of that, Vic is able to escape. Now, Orion is his usual hot-headed, uh, grating self. And with that, we get the chance to see how Jessica not only handles that moment, but then finds the rest of her team who have discovered a new player on the scene, one who calls himself a Lord of Time. Which one would that be? Well, there's so many. But this one is intriguing for me simply because it's one of those lesser featured characters within DC Comics and through this telling we get a chance to see how each one of these time figures is now working in this new version of the DC Comics universe how they are navigating it and what lengths they're willing to go to to try and return back to a semblance of the way things used to be it's a great challenge, not only for them, but for other new characters who recently joined the story, like Gamma Knife, who it turns out is actually working for this Lord of Time. And through it, we also can see that there's this connection between Jessica and Vic, one that might prove to be very important as this story develops. And if we see the team facing its greatest challenges, perhaps even their demise, can this connection with Vic be a resource, a lifeline that can save them all in the end? I really love this episode, this issue. Felt like an episode, feels like I'm in a great serial that just sucks me in and keeps me just churning along. And through this, I was really lucky to experience this story and really thankful I have the chance to share it with you here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack as my fourth choice. A solid 5 out of 5. A wonderful 5 out of 5 for Justice League Odyssey, number 18. Now for my fifth and final choice, I went with the grand finale to the Martian Manhunter maxi-series, issue number 12, a story champion in chief, written by Steve Orlando, with art by Riley Rosbo, colors by Ivan Placencia, Letters by End World Design with Riley Rosmo providing the original cover and Joshua Middleton with the variant cover. I absolutely love the way this issue brings about the appearance of John Johns, the Martian Manhunter, in front of the other police officers who he's worked side by side with who have known him for the most part as John Jones. And how through this example of sharing himself somewhat unabashedly, perhaps still with reservation, 
allows him to also be a great example for Allison, the young girl that he rescued. A, well, now I think it might be Ashley. You know what? Her name starts with an A, and before I start just butchering it or tripping and stumbling all over myself, I'm going to leave it at that. Because even if I pause, review, there's a chance that I've got both names stuck on my tongue and I will interchange them unnecessarily and create greater confusion. But this young lady, whose name starts with an A, and who is a great character, and one that I wish I could pronounce her name more correctly through the rest of this telling, is trying to find a way in a new world. A world in which she has changed, as much as the world has as well. And what this will mean for an adjustment period and what the difficulties might be that this will create, and how through it John is just a wonderful example, pointing out how these are her friends and neighbors, and while they might be shocked and surprised, they don't look upon her with fear. And because of that, he and she are actually never alone. And it's a lovely moment that wraps up this great story and helps provide the foundation for the end of the conflict and the resolution that I think really brings this series to a lovely close. There's so many great details that I could spoil for you, but one of the best things about ending a series like this is knowing how many threads were involved in its telling, how many exist in this finale, and how well they are brought to their conclusion, and yet still show so many wonderful things that are possible for the future. I really enjoyed this ending to Martian Manhunter and that I get to talk about it as the finale for this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This was my fifth choice, a wonderful five out of five, which brings us to a close for the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, this episode, number 44. And with that, I'd like you to keep in mind that DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms. So, Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play, wherever you enjoy and listen, please, if you haven't yet, head over and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us. I think we're worth five stars, but it's your opinion that I really want to hear. Now, you can also tell me exactly what you're thinking or share with any of us your thoughts on your favorite social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube, all you need is the at symbol, DC Comics News. That's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Use that tag sign, let us know what you're thinking, ask us your questions, tell us no lies, and let's engage in all the best ways we can enjoy talking about the things that we love. DC Comics, and all the wonderful treasures we receive and read each and every week. I'd also like to encourage you to check out a great new offering from my DCN podcast co-conspirator, Mr. Steve J. Ray. His new podcast, I Am the Knight, an episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series, is available right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And for all of the news each and every week, you'll not want to miss an episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. 
and the stories we'd love to share with you, whether it's myself and Steve, Brad, Kelly, the whole gang, or just a few. It's always a great time. There's always great news and really engaging discussion to go with it. Don't miss out on any of it. Head over to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, rate, review, and be in the know and catch the new. This has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 44. I've been your host, Seth Singleton, and I really enjoyed the opportunity to share my picks with you this week. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts when you share them with me. In the meantime, as always, read more comics.